Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together. And yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. Today, I am dubbing this segment called Let's Talk About It. As I try and do things a little bit different here on the podcast, just to expand to all sorts of listeners, I thought I would do a recap on certain subject matters and talk about lessons learned, things I would do differently, and also to bring in some younger listeners. What are they doing today that's different than we did when we were in the Gen X lifestyle or whatever? So as I go on with this type of segment, I'm encouraging people to do an outreach. I'm going to launch my website soon, end of February, and I will have a chance for people to sign up or even on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, to contact me to be a part of a session to talk about things. And I say that because I'm loving all the interaction with my classmates. I'm still continuing to do so. We have so many fantastic people that I grew up with that I want to highlight, but I oftentimes feel that they feel on display and that's not my intention. It's really just to go back and, and deepen those connections that you don't get from a typical class reunion. So that was the whole purpose of the podcast in the beginning. And I'm just now thinking that maybe more people together talking about a subject matter makes it less intimidating. And I welcome that. So let's get started. And the first one is going to be, we're going to reflect on divorce, not the nitty gritty. I'm not going to get down into my stuff and all of that. But I want to talk about after I did do the episode of my, of my divorce as I'm gradually sharing my story. It made me reflect on that time in my life the friends that I made, how I handled certain situations. And I thought, wow, I I don't know if that was the best way to have handled some of the situations. And I look to the younger generation to have their input of how they're handling divorce today. And so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So one of the things I noticed right away from my own personal self-reflection was you're very sensitive to being put in a box. This is me, but I think a, a lot of people might have felt this way. And again, maybe it is just me. I don't know. Um, but I felt like I didn't like the label. I actually hate it. I still do. I mean, I'm what? I'm not going to name my age, but whatever. I'm 57. And I still don't like putting the divorce checkbox. Like, I have been divorced. I don't even know how many years, actually, 28, 27. I've been divorced for 27 years. And my doctor still has to label me 
under that divorce checkbox. So I don't know. I just find that maddening. That's a personal thing, but I just, it's, it doesn't define me as a checkbox. I don't get it anyway. So let's start with that. So I always felt very defined by it. I felt defined by it, by my family. Um, I had disappointed my parents in getting divorced. I don't know that all my siblings understood in the beginning because I didn't share a lot. And so there was a lot of feeling less than because I didn't want to stay married to this man that everybody thought was the greatest thing in the world, which if you've been listening to the podcast, surprise, not. So I took that disappointment very seriously. And I never should have. But again, you know, of course, you lack confidence. And I just want to know if anybody else felt that way, like you felt less than. And so let's talk about some of the things people would say that were friends of yours that were triggers that you probably shouldn't have made them triggers. And I wish I had the skills and the language to have shared my thoughts differently. So let's talk about the last episode I had. I did get some DMs about people understanding that first weekend away where you have to send your kids off to either the mom or the dad's house. So by the way, this is a unisex conversation because I do want to pull in all the men here too. I mean, everybody has their story and it's not just all about uh, single women, which is something I'm going to address later in this podcast. So everybody's welcome here. But when you do transfer the kids for that first weekend, and I talked about that, that just guttural cry when I walked past his bedroom, it took me by surprise. Um, I think a lot of people resonated because I did get some DMs about that. And so my trigger would be my married friends, well-intended, who would say, oh, you get to party this weekend. What's it like to have a free weekend? Um, it's like a vacation. And I'm telling you, that would cut me like I hated that term because the grass is always greener. And while there are people who have their kids full time, uh, which I did once I moved to, to Florida, so I understand that need for a break, I can resonate with. But remember, I'm crying in the hallway and can't breathe because my life has been turned upside down and I don't have my kids that weekend. And it was one of the things that I reflected after after I recorded that episode of like, yeah, could have handled that a little different than being so emotionally charged by that comment. I would have loved to have said, I understand how you need a break, but the break when it's in a divorce is hollow and breaks your heart. And there's an emptiness that you need to fill by going out or seeing people Otherwise, you sit up on the floor curled up in a ball. I didn't say any of that. You know, I just didn't. I was, I would go home and be upset about it. Um, and I don't know how many people felt that way. Maybe a lot of people thought it was a great vacation, but you know, I just didn't like those kinds of words where every time I had my weekend free, it was like, what are you going to do? Isn't it great? Are you going to go dating? Are you going to go do this? You can do whatever you want. And it, I just felt like none of those things applied to me. I didn't want to remarry. I wasn't good at it. I didn't really intend to ever remarry. That's a fun fact about me, which we can talk about in another episode. There has been this barrage since my divorce about why you never remarried. 
And there's a lot of reasons behind it, but they're my reasons. And the fact is, I don't think I'm very good at it. I'm also a vagabond. I don't know where I want to live. I don't know where I want to end up. I've moved several times, even within the state of Florida. I don't want to meet somebody who says, I live on 1234 Oak Street Drive, and this is where we're going to live for the rest of our life. There's a whole world out there to enjoy, and I plan on doing that. So either come along for the ride or don't, but I I don't know where I'm going to be, and I like it. (laughs) But anyway, back to self-reflection, let's talk about it. I wish I had said, you know, I it hurts my feelings, or maybe not it hurts my feelings, but it just, I would have liked to have said, I understand that you view it this way. Because I'm going to get to their, their side of the story. There's, there's always two coins, right? Two sides of the coin. And somewhere around the ridge is where the truth lies, in my opinion. So I didn't look at it as the vacation that everyone else did. I had a friend, Amanda, who I'm going to mention by name, not last name. And she said something to me that I should have picked up on and run with as a token of education to myself. She had twins and a, and a, and a two, two young girls and a, a boy that was close to Joe's age. And she took care of me all the time. She knew my story. She knew that there was always last minute travel details that I got thrown. I mean, there are times I was ready to board a plane and Jay would cancel taking care of Joe. So this woman was by my side through all that BS and would drop everything to help me out. And. I appreciated it and it was our part of our story, but it shouldn't have been all of our story. And I'm going to get to that, which is female relationships with married people, because that's a whole nother animal as well. I'm sorry, I might ramble on this a little bit, but I think it's important. And I think it's important to just reflect on it and be like, I, I hope the younger generation takes away some of the things I have to share and changes their language. You know, we don't like that they do, but in some cases, I think it it helps in this situation. She said, you know, I'm sometimes a single parent as well. And I thought, what? And what she meant is every week her husband traveled. He was gone all the time. And she had twins and an older son and my son and a dog. And she would take care of my dog. And I never stopped to realize that Monday through Friday, it's a solo gig. And it's just like mine. So yes, that title, single parent, I will give her credit for this. There's there's times even on my Facebook, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or something, I wrote something on Facebook like, I hate the word single parent, which I'm going to get to. But I think that that word is what divides us, single parenting, because it's a situation that's not caused by divorce. It's caused by possibly a marriage, travel, living out of state without any other additional resources. It's a whole plethora of ways in which people raise their kids without help is what that really means. And that's when I stopped using the word single parent or started to not like it. It might be unpopular, but just bear with me as I go through this. A single parent to me is somebody that is 100% financially responsible for their child. And there's a lot of commendable women out there that are in that situation. They're not in family court. 
they don't get child support and the children never see the other parent, whether it's a father or mother. Remember, I'm, I'm not doing a sides here. That to me is a single parent. And those people don't always check the box divorced. Like they're truly single. And that's where my heart aches because that wasn't my situation. And I'm using the term so loosely as if I'm in that category. Shame on me. That's not my story. And it wasn't a lot of stories. We were all in Birmingham, Troy. We had people that were giving us child support. Yes, we can go down the path. Money wasn't always correct. And, you know, payments weren't always on time. Yes, yes, yes. Those are the inconveniences that we experienced because we chose to get divorced. And there are stories and that's it. End of it. But you still somehow had a legal divorce that required a child support payment. And. I focused on that all the time when I really should have been like, I'm blessed to not be in a situation where it's 24 by seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That to me is a single parent. So when you have your resources that are helping you out, whether it's travel or babysitting or watching the dog or whatever the case is, that community that you've built which I did build a beautiful community in, in Troy. I just wish I expressed how I felt like an outsider. Cause that's fair. I should have said, listen, I don't want to be the divorced parent. I want to be a parent just like the rest of you. And I should have brought my ego to the door and said, and I respect you for all that you do for your family. And I'm going to say that in a slow way, but I think there can be a jealousy that occurs with the divorced and married people. And if we're being honest, let's be honest. Like, that's why I'm saying let's talk about it. You can sit back or I can sit back. I did many times and I saw family vacations or I saw things that were offered to their children that I, that I couldn't provide because whatever I, and you just feel like that utopia of a family makes you, um, different and you're allowed to say, Oh, well, they don't know. Well, they don't understand. And as I've gone through class reunion and I've listened to everyone's stories and some things we just leave between the phone and myself. If you call me and I'm about to interview you to be a guest, that's a confidential conversation. We all had stuff going on in our house. We all did. Sorry for the close up. Jeez, I get so passionate. I get too close up. And, and we just don't always consider to stop and say, what are your challenges? Because we feel so entitled to share ours as we're going through the divorce. But married people, as we all know, have challenges. And they're raising, I had one child. Most people have more than one child. And they have more than one animal. And they have a big mortgage. And we don't know everyone's story as we know. We can say social media is fake now. And yes, we didn't have that back then. But we know not everybody's home was perfect. And so why didn't we strive to unite. Why didn't we have those conversations? And I'm saying maybe some of you did. God bless you. I didn't. I just don't think at that time, this conscious uncoupling and co-parenting and all that 
was the norm. We were too busy talking about our court case or my ex did this or my ex did that. And all very valid because you're going through it, but that doesn't mean the grass was greener. And I wish I had spent more time thanking and rescuing and doing for others as they did for me. Think about it. I mean, I played the victim in some cases, and I let all the people who had much more on their plate to take care of me. And I I truly believe that if you were thinking about it from your perspective too, it's something we should pause and, and talk about. Single parenting is not a universal language. Needing help is. And that should be regardless of a divorce or a marriage, one child, five children. We should be in this life together as we were raising our children and becoming helicopter parents and all those things that we did in Gen X to make up for what we lacked and just not label the situation. Some of the biggest fights I had with my son was the fact that if he didn't behave right or if something happened at school or if there was an incident or he wasn't doing well in school, I kept saying to him, you are a reflection of how I am choosing to raise you and it looks like I'm failing. Now, can you imagine putting that burden on a kid? Doesn't mean other people's children who were in married households didn't screw up. But I took that label of being divorced seriously and felt like every time there was a, a bump in the road that I would be viewed as she can't do it. She works too much. She travels too much. She's this. She's not home. I, I just kept saying your behavior I, is a self-reflection of me. I taught catechism. Can you believe that? I spoke about the Holy Bible. I'll let that sit for a minute. But anyway, I did because no one, no one else volunteered. There was a whole room of people that whole group of kids that weren't going to be able to go to catechism or CCD or whatever the Catholics call it now. And I volunteered and, and I took it seriously and I tried to be in a community church where all of his classmates were. And I lived in Troy. And let me tell you, Troy is a very married populated county. And I did it. Specifically for that reason, I wanted to be around functioning households so that my son didn't feel like we were in this small divorced community, which I'm going to talk about my mom in a minute. But, you know, I wanted him to be around families and our best friends are still the people across the street where the dad played, you know, football with Joe and we were all in the neighborhood. We had the best street ever. I'm still very close to all those people now. And it was seamless. It was, it was a unified group, just like you want it to be. And I specifically chose that. But I, I remember there was a woman who came up to me on Sunday. I taught on Sunday before everyone went to the Lions game. And she said, I don't feel comfortable with you teaching catechism as a divorced parent. And I remember thinking, I'm the only one volunteered to do it. And Jesus loves everybody. So amen. But those are the type of things that we as women tend to say to other people when we make that checkbox our identity. And if there's a lesson to be learned by the younger generation, and I want to have them have their input, I would love that, is how are they doing it today to avoid all those pitfalls? 
because really I wish I had done it differently. So going back to my mom, my mom, you know, was well-intended. Actually, they didn't talk to me for a good year after I got divorced. They refused to take down their wedding picture. They were humiliated, whatever. And they just didn't didn't reach out a lot in the in the first year. And then I think my mom saw how hard it was and started to to come back into the picture, but she didn't want to hear anything negative. Uh she didn't want to believe any of the stories I shared. It was all uh, it was bad. But slowly as I was starting to go back to work cuz remember I was unemployed. Uh I I was a stay-at-home mom after my son was sick. So I had to go back into the workforce and get a job and remember how told you how hard that was because I had been out with my son for a year and was building up my money trying to get a condo I was you know in an apartment then I was in a condo in Troy and she was pushing me towards an area where a lot of divorced women lived is how she put it and then she started to introduce me to people now I thought she was fixing me up right? I thought she might be fixing me up with somebody but she was fixing me up with other women who were divorced now as well-intended as that is, you're not going to jive with everybody just because you're divorced. And I remember meeting a certain amount of people where I was like, is this what we do is sit around and just share our stories and try to compete on whose divorce is worse? Like somebody take the goddamn trophy because I don't want to win it. Sorry for the swearing. But you know, I just, let's, let's call it, let's pick a winner and move on because I don't want to spend my Friday nights when everyone thinks I'm on vacation being in any darker place than I already am going around the room talking about how shitty our circumstances are. Now, some of my best friends are the people that she had me meet, but there were some that were duds. And there was somebody who made this great analogy. And she said, you know, my sister who had cancer was always being pushed to go to a cancer support group. Until one day she said, I don't have anything in common with these people other than cancer. I don't relate to any of them. So she stopped going. And it made me realize that's the truth. I felt like I was obligated to be a part of this divorce group and go to 220 Merrill and all the places in, in Birmingham that you go to. But I hated it. I, I, I just didn't like it. And I participated. So I was an active participant in those storylines, but it was never, in my opinion, healthy. And so when I really started to pick and choose who I wanted to continue my relationships with, they ended up, by the grace of God uh, and by being part of my church, to be my best friends. And that's Rita and that's Beth and Maureen and um, I still keep in touch with a core group of these women today. And I know their story and they know my story. But the difference is I also know their life story, their siblings, their upbringing, where they came from, where they like to vacation, the foods they like, the foods that they're allergic to. Whatever it is, there was more to our friendship than just understanding the terms and conditions of our divorce. And that's something that I hope the younger generation pauses and reflects on. If you know too much about your girlfriend who's divorced because of the ex-husband and this and that, that's not a friendship. That's, that's a crutch. And maybe you need it, but I would go to therapy for that. I just feel like it's healthier to have that be 
out of your self-identity so that you have room to grow, so that you can take in other people's stories and travels and race and religion and everything else that comes with stepping outside that front door and meeting people for the sake of meeting people, not because they're divorced. That's where growth comes in. And thank goodness I did learn that, but you know, I kind of did it a little too late. I did it a little in a self-absorbing way and I feel bad about it. I mean, I wonder if anybody who's divorced steps back and says, I feel bad about it, but I do. And I'm okay with that because I think that's all part of, of becoming who you are today. So let's also talk about just dating. I wish I had stopped the pretending that I wanted to remarry. I wish I had stopped feeling that pressure of, am I not going to be friends with you if I don't have a partner? Because this is another weird thing that's very odd. When you are married, when you're all married, forget the divorce people, when there's six of you that, that are all friends and you're married, let's be honest. You all go home and talk about each other's spouses. It's not because you're married that you automatically like the other person's partner or spouse. It's not true. I mean, you hope that's the case. But when I was married, we didn't like everybody's other husband or spot or wife. It's just because we were married. So why not institute that same thing for a single person and invite them? Just because they don't have that person to balance out, I probably would have found somebody that everybody hated. I mean, look at my track record. Holy cow. So I would have brought another alcoholic to the game. And that's not any better either. So the commingling of divorced and single, I wish was more the norm because you all married people aren't perfect and don't like each other. I mean, I will say that. So when we felt left out or we were excluded, I get it. But then if there's a reflection on married people who knew divorced people, the reality is partnering up with somebody shouldn't be what you think fills their soul or your friendship. It should be me, myself, and I that I'm, I'm bringing, contributing to the party. Because you really don't want a person to make a second mistake. That's the truth. And you might not like who I bring anyway. So now I get to be invited to all these Friday night dinners, but you don't even like my guy. It's kind of false. It's just a weird thing that we've done because we're conditioned by society to have these roles. And that's where I'm opening up the discussion to today. Is this still going on? And not that it was right or wrong. I just think I like to openly talk about things and share things and, and, you know, own my stuff for sure. I think we, we all should. It's very healthy. But what are they doing today that we can help guide? We don't want our kids to be divorced. We don't, but it happens. And I will always share this as my takeaway of what I did wrong and what I would have liked to have done differently. And I hope their language isn't, I'm divorced. I hope the language turns into, I'm no longer married, but I'm co-parenting. Or I have this free weekend. Can I help you and take your kids as a break for you? 
We don't all have to go out and in, in, in party and have our single weekend. We need to cross the line and say, hey, I know you've been doing this all week while your husband or your wife has been out of town. Why don't you go to dinner and I'll come over, make dinner for your kids? It's just building a community and a connection. And that's what life's about anyway. So I'd really like to know your thoughts on it. Has this generation picked up on some of that and changed the way in which they view themselves being divorced or married? Are they still just a checkbox? I'm curious to know. So thank you for listening to my self-reflection. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. If I'm off base, that's okay too. I appreciate you listening and look forward to seeing you next time on Class Reunion. Hey friends, if you're enjoying the show, I would truly appreciate your support by taking a moment to leave a review, hit the subscribe button, or give a like. It not only boosts morale, but helps others discover my content. Your feedback means the world to me, and I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Thanks for being part of the Class Reunion Podcast family.